Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, make sure you hit that like button, otherwise we'll punch you in the throat and let's just jump into it. You fake face having son of a bitch. That incredibly weird sentence is actually at the core of three different stories today. The first being last week, you might've seen the news that Bruce Willis sold the rights to his likeness to the deep fake company, Deep Cake. This after he had previously agreed for his face to be used in just a single commercial the company had made last year. And many were like, yeah, this new deal allowing Deep Cake to seemingly use Bruce Willis whenever they want to from now on seems to make sense. We've seen similar deals recently like James Earl Jones giving the okay for his voice archives to be used to AI generate the voice of Darth Vader in the Star Wars franchise. But in the case of Bruce, I'm talking about this today because it turns out it's not true. Fake news! With both parties publicly denying it, and so uh, if you have a friend telling the story that you now know to be not true, dunk on them so hard that they feel so much shame they start reading past headlines and researching a little further. But bring us to story number two, there are still controversies around deepfakes. Which isn't surprising because 99% of the time we see a deepfake, it's not with the original person's approval. With YouTube creator, author, and do-everything person Hank Green tweeting about deepfakes on YouTube, pointing out that there is a channel out there that parodies Mark Rober and Niall Red using AI-generated voices and deepfake technology to put them in comedic situations. Hank's first point is there are ways people are going to do this much worse, more mean-spirited, and more exploitative. And two, the, the channel in question recently got a sponsorship from Mark Rober's main competitor. Like we talked about last week, Mark Rober has Crunch Labs, a fantastic thing, especially if you have kids. And so I think, rightly, there is a concern that you have people out there using his image with thumbnails that obviously bring in his audience. And not only are they making money, but they're doing so by promoting someone that competes with Mark. But then finally with story number three, we got the answer to what happens when you become massively famous by using a fake face and then you show your real face. With one of the biggest creators in the world, Minecraft YouTuber Dream, doing a face reveal over the weekend after a very interesting social media blitz. Showing many other top creators in the space his face, uh, with them posting reactions, it just generating so much attention. Until he finally revealed it in a live stream to 1.4 million people concurrently. And as of recording this video, it's only been 16 hours and it has 19 million views. And while generally this was a very positive thing, something that garnered a lot of attention was the negativity. Saw a number of reactions and viral posts making fun of how he looked. Things like he's ugly was trending. You also had people looking at his face and saying whether it looked gay or not. Their words, not mine. And uh, my reaction to this. Maybe I'm going to sound crazy here, but does everyone know you don't have to tweet every thought that you have in your dumb fucking head? I understand. I'm not going to say things like, does everyone know? it's free to be nice it's also free to be mean and i'll be ruthlessly mean for the right reasons but why be so fucking negative and mean about something so inconsequential like maybe it's just because i, I don't follow him i'm like i'm not like a, a fan in that way but he just he just looks like a guy because he doesn't match the image in your head that you made all of a sudden you got to be fucking cruel but also i feel like i had to remind myself before i got too worked up like when you're dealing with these kind of numbers right 19 actually as i was recording it's now 20 million people have seen that video and count Countless others on social media platforms are going to see it in other ways. When you're dealing with those kind of numbers, even when there's only a small percentage of assholes, that's a lot of assholes. Like, even if only 1% of the people that saw this were being assholes, and we've all been on the internet, we know the number's not just 1%, that would be 200,000 people. Which I guess to say, because there's so much attention on the people roasting him on Twitter, that, that something can be much smaller, even though it feels much bigger. But also, fuck those people. But hey, that's my opinion. I love yo faces, and you let me know yours. And then, if you were confused by the statement, it's okay to be mean if you're mean to the right people, I'm talking about guys like this. This D-bag is Apex Legend streamer official Glaucoma, and he's in the news because he was berating his wife on Twitch again, apparently. Well, this is my first time learning about him. Apparently, this is not his first run-through. And let's look at the clip in question. What were you doing outside? Were you looting? I'm a... Zuka, it doesn't take that! 
fighting. But there's enemies inside that they were fighting. Why are you allowing them to loot? You just, you keep doing this shit over and over. You keep just allowing people to loot and get shit off. Like, I don't get it. I get if you need an armor swap, get an armor swap. But you're in there, like, taking your time. Like, did you forget that they were fighting another enemy? I did not know. Luca, who were they fighting then? Luca, who were they fighting? I thought we, that was the last scene. Luca, why are you sitting there thinking that? No, Suka. Why, Suka? No, no, no. Right there. Tell me you have a tiny dick without telling me you have a tiny dick. Also, little fun thing with this story: when his chat actually called him out in the live stream for how he was treating his wife, he uh he had a very interesting comeback. <laughs> I'm not treating my significant other like that. I treat my wife amazing. Thank you very much. All right. You want to know more about my wife and the country she's from? And the way, how she knows how women are actually treated compared to, you know, the free worlds of, you know, the Western society. Why don't you go over to her channel and fucking ask her? <laughs> yeah, you fucking idiots. You think I'm a bad guy because I screamed at my wife for a while? There are women in other parts of the world that, like, they get attacked for, you know, wearing the wrong clothes. That is apparently where the bar is. How has anyone ever let you inside of them? A wife who, by the way, he's done this too before. There was an article at the end of May this year. One of the worst parts of that article reading, the incident takes an even darker turn after the streamer tells chat that his wife picks at her knuckles until she bleeds due to stress, seemingly oblivious to the possibility that his behavior could be contributing to that. But to me, that's not the darkest part because the article continues. The Twitter account of the woman in the video is filled with a series of self-blaming tweets stating things like it's all my fault and I have shown so much ego and attitude. How does this monster have an audience? Yeah, this is just starting to gain traction as I was filming today. We'll see what happens from here, but looking at this, especially as a, a child who witnessed domestic violence, if this is what he does when he knows a fucking camera's on, I don't know what he's doing when it's off. And then, a 14 year old was denied life-saving medication due to Arizona's abortion ban. Right, so last week, a judge in Arizona ruled that an abortion law that is literally from 1864 can take effect in the state, officially banning almost all abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy, with some exceptions, like if the person's life is in danger, but not in the case of rape or incest. And then, according to reports, you have this girl, whose name is Emma Thompson. She has debilitating rheumatoid arthritis and osteoporosis, which has kept her in and out of the hospital for most of her life. For years, Emma has been taking a drug called methotrexate or MTX to make the disease more manageable with her mother telling local outlets that the drug has had an incredible impact on her daughter's life saying it's her first year and she's in high school and it feels like a dream she's not in a wheelchair she has a social life and friends for the first time and a life all young people should have but the thing with MTX is that in higher doses it's used to end ectopic pregnancies though incredibly notable here the child's physician Dr. Deborah Jane Power said in a tweet the dose is so low it would take months to collect enough for the purpose of an abortion also telling reporters that while all Older women in Arizona have had delays in getting medication since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. This was her first pediatric patient who was denied the essential medication by a pharmacist and adding, the pharmacist said the patient is 14, so we feel she was worried that the patient could be pregnant and using methotrexate for abortion purposes. With Walgreens, the pharmacy that denied the medication also making a statement saying that the company's focus is meeting the needs of patients, but the trigger laws in various states require additional steps for dispensing certain prescriptions. So you've got a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, but 
there is a little bit of good news, if we want to call it that, even though this situation shouldn't be happening. The good news is that Power said that she fought for the patient and was eventually able to secure a refill for this month and has taken other steps telling one outlet, we've filed complaints with the State Board of Pharmacy. And adding, we will notify the American College of Rheumatology, we will write the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Congress, and the Senate. But still, and she's justified here, she's worried about the future and the impact Arizona's abortion law will have on access to essential care. And unfortunately, it's very likely we're going to just see more and more of this. And then, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. I've been partnering with Squarespace for years now, and I have to say that if you're getting your business off the ground or creating a place to share your homemade goods, new favorite hobby, current obsession, or even a personal blog to get all those thoughts out of your head, no matter what you're doing, Squarespace is there to help. And it's all so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. Plus, with their mobile-optimized websites, your content automatically adjusts so it looks great on any device. And with Squarespace, you also get access to their marketing tools and analytics, plus their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat 24-7. So if you want to check it out, see why others love it, see if it's perfect for you, go ahead and start your free trial today over at squarespace.com slash phil. And when you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code phil to get 10% off your first purchase. And then 125 people are now dead because of the soccer match that happened over the weekend. It took place Saturday night in Indonesia. Thousands of people pack into the stadium to watch two teams play. The home team loses three to two. You see fans then pour onto the field. Notably, most of them, if not all, supporting the home team since the organizers banned the other team's fans from attending in an effort to prevent brawls. But that decision apparently backfires because instead you just have an entire stadium full of exclusively one team's fans and they're furious at their side for losing. So some reportedly throw bottles and other objects at the players and football officials with at least five cop cars being toppled and set ablaze outside the stadium, which then led to the riot police who were there to begin hitting people with shields and batons, according to eyewitnesses, then firing tear gas directly into the crowd and even into the stands, causing absolute mayhem. pure chaos and confusion as hordes of people, many of them now blinded by the tear gas, are desperately going for the exits. With a stampede quickly killing 34 people, either by trampling or suffocation, including two police officers and possibly some children. But those were just the immediate numbers, with many brutally hurt and rushed to nearby hospitals. And as patients passed away, that number reached at least 125 people, and as many as 300 others sustaining non-fatal injuries. It's a horrible, horrible tragedy, and many are now asking, who's to blame? With many right now pointing their finger at the police because as some human rights groups have pointed out, tear gas is actually prohibited by FIFA. Plus, you're supposed to deploy it to put distance between you and the crowd and disperse them in an intended direction, not just indiscriminately fired into a packed, secure location like a football stadium. But then you also have people pointing fingers at the event organizers who printed around 42,000 tickets for a stadium that can only seat 38,000. You've also got East Java's police chief defending the use of tear gas, saying, we had already done a preventative action before finally firing the tear gas as fans began to attack the police, acting anarchically and burning vehicles. And finally, you have the government saying that they're going to establish a commission to investigate the incident and promising to identify the officers at fault within days. The chief security minister also adding that the cops suspected of committing wrongful acts of violence would be criminally charged. But notably with all this, it is important to note that this is not new to Indonesia. Right, Dozens of people have died from football-related violence since the 1990s, and back in 1964, a football referee in Peru made an unpopular call that caused a riot killing at least 300. But of course, with all this, I'd love to know your thoughts, and 
I mean, I feel like I'm just still processing it. The, the immensity of this tragedy, it, it's mind boggling. Also, it's mind boggling is the stupidity of that crowd control response. And then you pair that with the insanity of sports fans. It's just it's so, so much pointless death. And then Ukraine called on Russian troops to get a tattoo of their name so they can contact their relatives when they inevitably die. This comes as Russian forces are now having to call in airstrikes via social media. Also, Elon Musk introduced his peace plan today, and it very clearly shows that being the richest man doesn't also mean you are the smartest. In fact, Ukraine's ambassador to Germany told him to fuck off and that no Ukrainian will buy his Tesla crap. You also had President Zelensky asking, which Elon Musk do you like more? One who supports Ukraine or one who supports Russia? Also, Estonia called on the West to not give in to Russia's nuclear blackmail, saying you don't negotiate with terrorists. And Ukraine can't stop, won't stop, as they continue to liberate cities in the north and south as they inch closer to her son. And then, the new season of Supreme Court just dropped, and I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. This year, of course, there was a casting change. There's also the question of what's next for the plot. You know, they left us last season realizing, oh shit, precedent doesn't matter, and we have a bunch of liars on the court. Based off the previews, this could be an explosive season. For the first case the court will hear this term involves a major environmental dispute that will determine the scope of governmental authority under the Clean Water Act, which is a decision that could have a massive impact on U.S. water quality at a time when it feels like there's water crisis after water crisis due to climate change. And all this comes amid increasing concerns about federal inaction regarding climate change, especially after the Supreme Court significantly limited the government's power to act in this area in its last term. You've also got some of the most anticipated cases centering around race. This including a pair of cases that challenge affirmative action programs at Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Right, while for more than four decades, the high court has repeatedly upheld that race can be a factor in college admissions to ensure a more equitable student body. Now, with the court's conservative supermajority, it could very well undo 40 years of precedent. SCOTUS is also set to hear a case that could significantly undermine key voting protections for minorities set under the Voting Rights Act. That case stemming from a lower court's opinion that invalidated Alabama's congressional map for violating a provision in the VRA that prohibits voting rules that discriminate on the basis of race. And that, after the state drew its map, so only one out of its seven congressional districts was majority black, which sounds like, okay, whatever, until you learn that nearly one in every three voting age residents in the state are black. Also on the note of gerrymandering in elections, the justices will hear a case that could have a profound impact on the very nature of American democracy. That matter, centering around a decision by the North Carolina Supreme Court to strike down the Republican-drawn congressional map on the grounds that it amounted to an illegal gerrymander that violated the state's constitution. With the North Carolina GOP appealing that decision to the Supreme Court and arguing that the U.S. Constitution's election clause gives state legislatures almost total control over how federal elections are carried out in their state. And this is one of the biggest things to remember from this story. That is a theory called independent state legislature doctrine. And as NPR explains, that argument in its most extreme form would mean that no state court and no state agency could interfere with a state legislature's version of election rules, regardless of the rules set down in the state constitution. In other words, if the Supreme Court sides with the North Carolina Republicans, they would essentially be giving state legislatures unchecked power on how voting maps are designed and elections are administrated, which is fucking terrifying. And while there are a ton of other very, very significant cases, and I can't hit on them all, the last one that I want to touch on today could have huge implications for the LGBTQ plus community and civil rights more broadly. What we have with this case, you had a web designer in Colorado who refused to design websites for same-sex couples because she believes that it violates her right to religious freedom. That belief, however, goes against a Colorado non-discrimination law that bans businesses that provide public services from denying those services to customers based on sexual orientation or identity. And so as a result, you have this woman arguing that the Colorado law violates her right to free speech under the First Amendment. And so if the high court rules in her favor, yes, it massively undermines protections for the LGBTQ plus community in Colorado and likely other states with similar laws. But many experts say that it could go far beyond that, with one explaining that if the court holds that this woman is correct in her claim that there is a free speech right to selectively choose her customers based on the messages she wants to endorse, then under that law, people could deny services to people of color because that would be a message of endorsement. But the main thing with all of this, we have a ton of high stakes cases on the docket this term, and this all coming at a time where the legitimacy
legitimacy of the court is being questioned in a historic way. And I mean, a new poll found that the Supreme Court's approval rating has sunk to a record low. But that is where that story and actually today's show ends. Thank you for watching, liking, being subscribed to my daily dives into the news. Also, if you want more news, I got you covered right here or here. But as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.